Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Um, as I've been thinking and praying over this morning, specifically a, a couple months back, just thinking, what is it that the Lord wants me to share? Um, this verse kept on coming up uh, in Matthew 11, and a lot of you would know it. We'll get to it in, in a second, but just kept on coming up over and over and over. And so it's been a message that's just been sitting, and I've just been wrestling with it. It's been in my heart for, for a while now, and so I'm excited to finally get it out. I mean, I've had uh, at least three monsters already, and so I'm ready. I hope you guys are ready because buckle up. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, So let's dive in. Let's not waste any more time. Up until about my junior year in college, uh, I wasn't exactly the greatest student on the planet. School was kind of difficult for me. Uh, I would average C's and D's in class. Um, A B minus was like an A plus for me. And so, you know, take the victories where I can get them. Um, But school is difficult. It just didn't come naturally to me. Uh, And so not being the greatest student made college hard. But also, I didn't exactly try that hard either. Um, I wasn't exactly motivated by school. I was motivated by other things. And so school just didn't excite me. I wasn't wasn't about it. C's and D's, I'm like, if I get a C, it's good enough. And so during my sophomore year of college, I was at the junior college uh, about to transfer to William Jessup University. And in order to transfer, I needed to pass all my classes that last semester. One class in particular, my math class. Math is just from the devil. I'm not good at math. <laughs> no, thank you. And so two weeks out from the final in my math class, my last semester of junior college, my grade sat at a solid, strong, resounding 52%. Nice, big, fat F. Love it. And so two weeks out, the only way that I could end up passing this class with the 70% was to ace the final and get all the extra credit questions correct. Basically score like 110% on this math final, which for me seemed like a long shot. And so I'm sitting there at my mom's house, sitting in the kitchen, and I did exactly what you would think I would do. I cried. (laughs) I cried and I cried. It was like midnight and nothing made sense. I was stressed out beyond belief. And I was, my mom's sitting there trying to encourage me to do math. And I'm like, mom, if it's so easy, then you do it. And so I handed it to her. I'm like, here, mom, do the math. And she looks at it and she goes, this isn't math. This is like, I don't even know what this is. And she handed it back to me. She said, you're on your own. And I was like, that's a lot of help. Thanks, mom. Um, but it was, it was one of those moments where um, I kind of just had like a quarter life crisis, um, if you will. <laughs> I know. My quarter life crisis, I was, I was crying in my mom's kitchen worried about a math grade, but I cried because I was so worn out. I was so tired of school. I was so over. I didn't want to be in school anymore. I just wanted to get on with my life. I wanted to go, like, I didn't even want to go to Bible college anymore. I was just like, mom, I'm ready to just go uh, start in a trade somewhere. I don't even know what trade. I just want to work. Um, She's like, take your time, go to sleep, Um, sleep it off. We'll talk in the morning. So I was worn out. I was tired. I just want to get my life going. And then I was also just tired. I was tired because I was playing soccer. I was working almost full-time. I was a full-time student um, serving in the middle school, high school, and college ministries at the church. I wasn't going to main service because I was so busy serving in all the other ministries and working and school and all the things. And so I just 
was tired. I was worn out. I was, I was literally just burned out on life. And so today, out of Matthew 11, um, it's one of my favorite passages, and it just kept on coming up every time I prayed about it. And this is Jesus in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 is where we're going to be. So feel free to uh, open your Bibles or scan the, the QR code. Yeah, that. Um, scan the QR code on the screen, and uh, you can join us through the YouVersion Bible app. Um, but if you've been in church for a long time or you've read through the scriptures, this will be familiar to you. You'll, you'll, you. you'll know this. Some of you might even have it memorized. But just to shake things up, because I'm a youth pastor and I like shaking things up, um, I'm going to read from something that's just so poetic and beautiful called the message translation. And then we'll get into the literal translation after. But hear Jesus saying this to you this morning. Hear Jesus saying this. Are you tired worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And here's the version that you guys would probably be more familiar with, the more literal translation. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you're anything like me, you read through this passage and you kind of hear the first part and the last part, right? The, the nice parts. Come to me and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden's light. And we're like, oh, fantastic. Like, I'll get some rest. It's going to be easy. It's going to be awesome. Let's go. Thank you, God. I've been dying for some time off and my boss isn't giving me enough PTO. So why don't you, Jesus, go talk to my boss and get me some more PTO, please? And thank you um, because I'm dying for some rest. And so Jesus, uh, he, he speaks this to the people in, in Jerusalem, um, in, in the city town. And it's crazy because we work ourselves nuts because we only hear the, the easy parts. We hear, come to me and you'll get rest. And my yoke is easy and burden is light. But we forget the fact that we got to do something about this. It's not just as simple as receiving we gotta, we got to do something. And so Jesus, in the middle section, he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. So let's talk about the yoke because the yoke is not something that would, uh, we talk about a ton here in America. And so the yoke, it's not the center of an egg yoke. That's not what I'm talking about here. The yoke, uh, it was one of the most important pieces of technology ever invented in the ancient world. It literally changed the face of the planet. And so as soon as Jesus said this, as soon as he mentioned the yoke, everyone he was talking to would have known exactly what he was talking about. Before we get any further, think about modern technology for a second. Turn to your neighbor real fast, like 10 seconds, and just tell them, what do you think is the single most important invention of technology that's happened in the last 50 years? 30 seconds, like less than 30 seconds. So I'm probably with a lot of you on this, um, but for me, it's the iPhone, right? Any other iPhone people in here, that's your answer? I mean, 
the iPhone literally changed the face of the planet. It changed how things are happening. Uh, now you've got people that are walking around with a computer in their pocket. People can just take pictures of whatever they want, post it on social media, and in 30 seconds, it reaches millions of people. It, it's nuts what's happened with technology. And so the iPhone, it literally changed how things got done. And here's how I really know that the iPhone changed things. When I was a kid, I used to get grounded. I don't know if being grounded happens still. Um, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But I used to get grounded. I literally got sent to my room one time, and for dinner, I was given a piece of bread and a glass of water. Um, <laughs> I, like, something was going on in the Tucker household that day. But it literally, so I used to get grounded. I'd eat bread and water for dinner, and I didn't have a phone to take away. But now the phones just get taken away. It's like, give me your phone. Like, that's like the first punishment. And then like maybe grounded later. And it's crazy because if you've tried to interact with a teenager without a piece of technology on them, it's like, you can't. It's, it's so difficult. And it's not their fault. Like, they're just grown up around technology. But the phones just get taken away. It's, you might as well just cut off an arm at this point. But what I'm saying is like, Technology has literally influenced so much of our world, and we've been able to monetize this technology because it's offering us humans this thing called margin, increasingly more margin as technology advances. And so the yoke that Jesus is talking about is essentially the same thing. As soon as it showed up, um, it's offering people margin. And so the yoke he's talking about, his yoke is easy. And for those that were listening, the, when he says this, it would have had a twofold meaning. And the first meaning is, is that it was a practical sense that people would have understood what the yoke was. So I got a picture of a yoke up here. Um, it literally just this huge piece of wood that you would hook up two oxen to or horses or whatever large, strong animals. And so in the first century, everyone was a farmer. And this is why it changed change things for them. Everyone was a farmer. It didn't matter your trade. It didn't matter if you're a fisherman, a carpenter, um, a, a scholar, whatever your trade was, you had some degree of land that you had to take care of. And so the options before the yoke came along was you either had to go out there and plow by hand, or you got to carry the plow yourself and like pull it along. And it, it was horrible. But then the yoke comes along and you're able to get two oxen to pull the plow for you. And so now, instead of having to plow by hand, people can just keep some oxen in a straight line. And that's all they got to do. And so the plow was offering people margin because essentially what was happening is everyone can now plow more land in less time with energy left over. And so it literally changed the game for people because now you're not working so hard in the field. You're just walking behind the oxen, keeping them in a straight line. And so it gave people margin. And so that was the practical meaning that people would have understood when Jesus talks about the yoke. The second is that it had a metaphorical meaning. It had a meta metaphorical meaning. And so everyone would have understood what Jesus means here. Yoke was a slang term. It was a slang term for the kind of heat which the rabbi in the temple was putting on the people. It was a degree of how much strain the rabbis were putting on people. It's like pastors in America. We could all preach from the same verse. We could preach the same exact Bible verse, but we're all coming at it with different degrees of personality and experience and different angles and different postures. In other words, a yoke. And so Jesus is... is talking about this yoke and people would have heard, heard him, um, they would have been out in the streets and asking each other, what kind of yoke is your rabbi putting on you? 
What, what kind of strain, uh, what kind of pressure from the Torah does your rabbi put on you? And Jesus, he confronts the Pharisees on this. We'll, we'll get there in just a second. But Jesus, he's preaching to the crowd, and, and they would have been hearing him say, hey, leave your temple. Leave your rabbi. The yoke they're putting on you, it'll never give you what the human heart truly desires. I came to give you not only an easy yoke with a light burden attached to it, but my yoke is fundamentally different than the yoke that your rabbis are putting on you. When Jesus said that my yoke is easy and burden is light, he's not just announcing that he's the nice rabbi or the, the seeker-sensitive rabbi. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying he's going to just make it palatable or just water it down. What he's saying when his yoke is easy, he's actually pronouncing the gospel. He's pronouncing the gospel here. And some, some of the people that he's talking to, they actually would have had really gracious rabbis who are genuinely trying to make the law palatable and easy for people to digest. But at the end of the day, no matter how easy their yoke was, they were still preaching the law, not the gospel. And the law it is a beautiful thing from God. It, it was a gift from God, but here's what the law was never meant to be. The law was never meant to be a source of salvation. The law um, was, a, was a guideline for us. And Jesus, he, he comes and he's saying, hey, I love your rabbis. I love your rabbis. I love how, how serious and holy your rabbis approach to the Torah is. I'm going to die on the cross for your rabbis. But what they didn't know then that we know now in hindsight is that Jesus is the author of the Torah. And so he can't hate on something that he created. He, he wouldn't do that. And so when he's talking about a yoke, it's completely different because the yoke he's talking about is simply put the gospel. It's not the law, it's, it's the gospel. And so if we read through the gospels, we find that Jesus often has the most stern words for the Pharisees. He's always calling them out and, and talking about them. But in Matthew 23, he says this about them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. The Pharisees, they genuinely enjoyed putting these heavy loads on people because what it made them appear as is it made them appear super wise. Like, oh yeah, I way outsmarted that person or that they were like way holier than, than the next person because it gave them kind of this authority if people didn't understand what they were doing. They're like, wow, this rabbi is so wise and this is crazy. And so all that to say that the yoke that Jesus was offering was fundamentally different and lighter, and easier, because in its nature, Jesus' yoke was the gospel. His yoke was the gospel. His yoke was easy, and his burden was light. It wasn't oppressive like the Pharisaic rules which the Pharisees were putting on to people. And now, if you've been with us for the last month, you've been hearing us work through the, a series called Offended, and how do, we, how do we navigate like those people and live in a world uh, less offended. And if you haven't listened to it or, or you don't even know what I'm talking about, I would encourage you to like, go to our YouTube and listen to it because the last three weeks were really like so awesome, so good. But maybe we're talking about this burden thing in, in the yoke. Maybe you've been shouldering the burden of being offended and everything online is offensive. And someone at work came to you and said something sideways that offended you. Maybe the burden you've been shouldering has been the burden of being a parent. 
homeschool or public school. And they throw private school in the mix in there. Or the burden of being a parent and your, your kid isn't a starter for their U9 soccer team. And you're burdened by that. Or now they have a boyfriend or girlfriend and you found out on Facebook. Um, that's, how, that's how my mom found out about a couple. Um, maybe the burden you're bearing is coming from work and you have a deadline coming up. You know your annual review is right around the corner and so you're working so hard to do everything so perfectly so that way you can come to your boss and say, hey boss, I've done awesome. And that burden of working hard is just chipping away at you. And your coworkers are no help, of course, because they're just giving you things that is a bigger burden on your plate as well. And so the burden might be coming from work. Maybe it's school and you haven't decided what your major is going to be in college and that's affecting your future because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're studying and so you're wasting time. You're losing time. You're going to miss out on opportunities. And so you got to get your life figured out right now. Maybe the burden you're carrying is financial hardship and you're doing your budget overview and you're thinking, man, what am I going to cut from my budget this, this month? And you got a mortgage to pay off and you don't even know where your next meal is going to come from. But maybe the burdens that we bear are the burdens that we're just putting on ourselves. Maybe it's just the things we're putting on ourselves. Because we're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God every day. Because we drop the ball on a deadline that we knew about and really should have got right. Or we play the comparison game. And by playing the comparison game with those around us, we, we constantly are in this battle of not measuring up and not being enough. And that alone is giving us this burden and this weight on our shoulders of stress and anxiety. And it's making us question our self-worth. And we're burdened by that. But it's, a, it's like a self-inflicted wound. It's just like me in, in college when I'm crying in my mom's kitchen, having my quarter-life crisis. And, and I... I did it to myself because I didn't work hard in school. It was, it was a self-inflicted wound that I didn't need to go through. But Jesus here in Matthew 11, his invitation to this yoke is different. It's different. Other places where Jesus calls his disciples or offers an invitation uh, to, to come with them, all the other places he says, come follow me. So he says to his disciples, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, right? We read it in, in earlier in the Gospels. So come follow me, that's the normal invitation. But here the invitation is come to me, come to me. And it's so much different. In fact, like this is the only spot where Jesus invites us to come to him, just different. And so let me ask you this question. I think this is going to kind of shift our, our, our time and where we're going a little bit this morning. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you came to Jesus rather than just following him? When was the last time you came to him rather than just following him? When we come to him, he says that he will give us rest. And this word rest is more than just a day off. It's more than just a day at the spa, a day away from all the chaos. To come to him is to trust him completely and, per and know him personally, not just know and understand the historical facts about Jesus. And so the word which Jesus uses here in the Greek is the, the word anapao, anapao, which means to cause or per permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect their strength, to give rest, refresh, to give oneself rest, take rest. 
So not only when we come to Jesus are we going to receive rest, we're also going to be able to walk away refreshed. And if I know anything is that most of us can probably, probably say that we could use some refreshment in our life. Refreshment is always good. You all ever go to a party and there's like no refreshments and you're just parched? Like, it sucks. Those parties are the worst. But... <laughs> But here's the thing, if you go to Jesus and you party with Jesus, you're going to leave with refreshment. And so not only are you getting rest, you're getting refreshed with Jesus. And so it's so much better. The rest which we can receive from coming to Jesus is different. Jesus is talking about eternal rest for all who seek forgiveness of their sins and seek freedom from the crushing legalistic burden of trying to earn salvation by good works. And we know that we are saved by grace through faith, but it's because of grace that we should want to do good works. It's because of his, his sacrifice on the cross and taking our place, taking what we deserved, that we should even want to, to do good. And so we're saved by grace through faith, but also like it's because of that grace that we do good works. And he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The gospel message, when we take his yoke upon ourselves and learn from him, we'll, we'll find the rest for our souls that we so desperately need. We'll find it in him. We, we learn the unforced rhythms of grace simply by coming to him. And we can read in 1 John 5 that his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. And so we read this and we think to ourselves, man, all, these, all of these commands... Like we start rattling our brain, like what commands are there? And we think, man, I got to, I got to read the Bible. I got to go to church. I got to tithe. I got to love my neighbor and my enemy. I, I got to evangelize. And I think too often we, we confuse these essential things with being burdens. But the reality is that it's our own flesh, which causes the burden. It's our own flesh where we hear, read the Bible, our flesh says, well, I don't really like to read, or we don't know where to start, or I don't have time to read. Where we hear, go to church, our flesh says, eh, I could just watch online this week, it's fine. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but if COVID taught us anything, it's the value of being in community with other believers. There's nothing like it. When we hear, give of your first fruits into tithe, our flesh will tell us, I've got more important bills coming up that I gotta pay. Or I can't really afford to give this month. And I, I'll tell you what, that, like what God can do with, when you trust him with your finances is, is incredible. Where we're told to love our neighbors and our enemies, our flesh will say that, well, there are enemies for a reason. There are enemies for a reason. Uh, we, we think, oh, they're all delusional. They're all ignorant. But Jesus, he calls us to love. He calls us to love where we hear from Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, our flesh tells us, well, God will speak to them when he wants to. God, God, will, God will reach them when, when he's ready. Or if you're an introvert like me, uh, we tell ourselves, I'm an introvert, and so it's hard for me to talk to strangers. And we, we sense the, the pull to go and tell somebody about Jesus, but we talk our, ourselves out of it because we're like, eh, I'm nervous. What if they say no? What if they don't like me? And so we're called to go and make disciples. We hear all of these things from Jesus, and then our flesh in the world is telling us another thing. But when we come to him and take his yoke upon ourselves and we find rest for our souls, it's a beautiful thing. 
for a season right before I started here at LifePoint, uh, I spent some time training dogs. Um, it, was, it was a fun hobby that I picked up. It wasn't like my full-time gig or anything, just a hobby for some extra cash. Um, it was great. I got bit a bunch of times by dogs. Um, so fun. But in the world... In the world of dog training, um, and specifically puppy training, trainers will tell you, don't chase the puppy. Don't run around and chase the puppy. If the puppy's got something, don't chase the puppy. You know, you can go, oh, puppy, 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 and they're running away. But it, what it does is it reinforces the behavior that it's fun to run away, that it, that it turns it into a game. And so trainers will tell you, don't, don't chase the puppy. Teach them to follow you. And so with my dog, Gibson, we got him at eight weeks old. I would just have him follow me around the house. I'd have the treat pouch, and I'd kind of walk over here, and then he'd follow. He'd sit down, and I'd, I'd reward him for coming to me. And then I'd walk over here and, you know, kind of entice him a little bit. Puppy, puppy, come here. And he'd walk over, and he'd sit down, and I'd reward him. And in the same way that I was teaching Gibson to follow me around, when Jesus called his disciples, they were learning to follow him. They were learning to follow him around. They were learning that all good things come from Jesus. That when they're nearby, they're learning to trust that by following him, they would be rewarded. Rewarded by seeing things that they would have never seen before. By experiencing the things that, that only God could do. By following Jesus, they were learning those things. And see, as Gibson, my dog, got older, we began to work on his recall, which is his ability to come to me when called. And so I would give him the cue. I'd say, Gibson, come. And we'd be like five feet from, from each other. And he'd come to me and I'd reward him. And then I'd back up. I got to a point where he was 100 yards out. And I'd call him and he'd come running to me. And it looks awesome. He's locked in on me. And then all of a sudden he goes this way. <laughs> because dogs get distracted. They get tempted by things that, that we just don't know. And in a similar way, we can be locked in on Jesus. We can be locked in. And then all of a sudden, temptation burden, stress, work, school, whatever it is, we're locked in. And then that thing takes us away from his presence, takes us away from the goodness that he, and the rest that he's offering. But my dog, he'd just get distracted. And it's tough for him to get out of those temptations. It's tough for him to disengage with those things. And similar for us, sometimes it's tough for us to disengage with it. But Jesus calls us to him. With my dog, naturally, he wants to be near me, but sometimes he just needs a cue or a reminder. And I think it's the same for us. We just need a reminder. I'll say to my dog, Gibson, come. And he comes running back to me. He sits in front of me and he gets rewarded because with me, he doesn't got to think for himself. With me, he can rest. With me, he's safe. With me, he, he's loved. He, he's, he's with the one who provides for him. In the same way, Jesus is calling to all of us. He says, come to me, you who are tired, you who are burned out, you who are working so hard just to survive. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take the gospel message upon you that he came, was crucified, was buried and rose all so that we might have a chance at a relationship with him also we'd have even a chance. And so when Jesus says, come to me, even though we might be stuck in temptation or stuck in all the things that are keeping us from Christ, we go running to him, we sit in front of him and we are rewarded with the rest for our souls that we so desperately need. And some days we're gonna have to work a little bit harder than others. Some days we're gonna be carrying a, a, a heavier yoke on our shoulders. 
But what Jesus says is to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's not just gonna hand you the yoke and say, all right, let's see how you do. The yoke is built for two. He's gonna get in that yoke with you and he's gonna help you pull it. He's gonna help you shoulder it. When we come to him, we know that the yoke he's offering is fundamentally different. And so hear this again out of Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So receive the gospel, learn from him, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I've never experienced this light yoke and this easy burden yoke. I don't even know what you're talking about. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you've experienced that light yoke, but you've just been carrying the wrong one for a little bit. And you've been pulling around some weight and you're saying, God, my, my shoulders are tired. I just want some rest. I just wanna to come to you and rest. And so I wanna pray for you guys and, and just offer an opportunity to either take his yoke upon yourself for the first time or get his yoke back on your shoulders and come to him. So let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.